I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spanning Zero. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Spanning Zero. Today, we are going to be joined by Kevin O'Connor, who is a managing partner at Scop Venture Capital. He's also one of our investors and one of the creators of Amazon Alexa. Yes, that's right. One of the best voice products on the planet. He's also the previous CEO at DoubleClick. And today, we are going to be talking about voice automation and how Alexa was built and he's maybe going to give you a little bit of a flavor of what it's like to hire right now as a VC. So we always like to ask our guests some really random, weird questions at the very, very beginning, just so that, you know, that they can put like a little bit of a human feel to who these amazing people are. Okay. So you're being introduced to 50,000 people in a big stadium. What is your intro music? Bob O'Reilly by the hoop. <laughs> yeah. I love right? that. Okay, so obviously the audience is going to be very, very interested in, in this topic because like everyone wants to know how Alexa was created and how it was done. You have significant experience here. How did you approach AI with Alexa? Wait, you may overstate it about my me creating Alexa. I, we did not. Uh, what we contributed to mostly is what most people are familiar with Alexa are people being able to speak to Alexa like a, like a human. Alexa understanding what they're saying and then getting a human-like answer. So we'd answered most of the questions, uh, of course, all the correct ones. We had some pretty bad answers sometimes, but generally we, we uh, were able to understand most what people are asking. So trying to understand intent, what do they really mean, and then giving them an exact answer. That was our contribution. Can you dive into the history of AI a little bit? Um, and you have some big context there. Can you give us like the history of AI a little bit and how I, how you guys have approached that from a human perspective? I mean, like AI was big 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, that was the rage, you know, computers taking over the, taking over the world. Lots of movies came out of it. A lot of PhDs in AI. And then the joke became AI is one what computers, everything, everything that computers can't do, AI could do. So it became, it became a, a joke, uh, and everyone got rid of AI off their, off their resumes because it was overhyped, uh, never delivered on any of the promises. And so there was a very long winter, very long cold night, um, for <laughs> AI, nobody ever put AI or, or, or machine learning really it was kind of machine learning and GPUs that, it, uh, that sort of made a lot of this possible. Now, AI, quite honestly, I mean, almost every business plan we get as obligatory, we do AI 99% of the time. It's, well, it depends what you call it. It's most of it is like in the future, they're thinking about it. Renrel was actually one of the first companies we saw where actually had a great AI application. But, you know, look, it, a lot of people think, I mean, in some ways, I think Alexa is pretty close to passing the Turing test where you know, people think of Alexa as a human, you know, they yell at her, they, they say, I love you. And, you know, they ask her, her personal questions. I mean, it's, it's kind of, kind of bizarre. And quite honestly, a lot of it, you know, it's not using deep learning, uh, it's using a whole heuristics of approaches, everything from just exact match. If someone said, what time is it? You don't need AI to figure out what their intent is. It's like, what time is it? Give them the time. So I, I kind of, we take a broader, broader view of AI that it is. 
a tool in the toolbox, but anything where humans can interact with a computer as humans would interact with a human. And I think, look, most of my career I spent in technology and it was always, how do we get people to speak like a computer? Uh, cause computers were kind of dumb and kind of slow. Uh, and so we're always trying to get them to speak like a computer. And now we've kind of passed where it's like, well, forget about that. Uh, let's have computers speak like a human, have humans speak to computers like they would as another human. And I think that's, to me, that's been the fundamental shift in, in sort of AI over the past five years. I always juxtapose the old automated voice systems, IVR systems of the last 25 years with new voice products, right? Which Alexa is at the forefront of. And to me, the like very simple discrepancy that exists is people hated speaking with the old IVR systems and people go out of their way to purchase and interact with these new voice products. So do you attribute it to that? Is it this like, hey, we're going to understand more things and we're going to respond in a more human way as the AI, as the device on the other side, is that, or is it more than that from your perspective? And look, IVR was sort of the first, first way of sort of automating the customer service. So, you know, there's a finite number of questions that people ask, they ask the same question over and over again. In some ways, IVR, you know, it was the worst of all systems because the interface was a touch tone pad. So it was, you know, incredibly limited, pretty painful, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it, you know, it was, if you had a common question or a simple question, it was kind of easy to do, but it was painful, right? It was the best solution for the problem at the time. Now with the advancements of, of NLP or natural language processing, you know, you can understand people's intent. You can take, you know, you're not limited to sort of like eight options. You're limited to, but you're not limited to anything. Um, it's how well can you understand someone's intent and then, you know, having access to the answers. The company that, that I ran last time that, that Amazon bought was called Graphic. And our whole approach to AI, the approach to AI before was trying to understand human language. We didn't take that approach. We took the complete opposite approach. We took, let's call it, I call it the Jeopardy approach. In Jeopardy, they give you the answer, then you, you create the question. We built with the world's largest knowledge graph, so we had the answer. And so when you have the answer, it's very easy to figure out what a question may look like. And so the same thing goes with, with, with Redout's approach is the answer is sitting in the Shopify database. The answers are, you know, where is my order? When's it going to be delivered? What is the refund policy? I mean, all those are answers and then be able to figure out how would the hundred different for ways that somebody could, could phrase a question and then just simply to understand what their intent is and then give them the answer. And that kind of blew, blew people away from, from a, and that's what we left, like the love of our red, red round, their approach. It really took a, took a lot of companies, uh, Google and Apple, who are all sort of going down the deep AI round. If you don't have the answer, who cares if you understand what their intention is? It's like, okay, I understand what you want. Sorry, I can't, I can't tell you the answer. Right. It's almost like let, let's build backwards from the problem that we're trying to solve rather than building forwards from like, hey, let's build awesome technology that you need to deliver on the use case. And natural language processing sort of in the academic, you're a PhD, you get hung up on these, these edge cases, you know, where, and people obsess over the edge case. And there's this really, there's a lot of ambiguity in, in communications and 
oftentimes, you know, how many times do you, do you answer a question wrong to somebody or, or you think you're answering the question right, but the person had a different intention. And so they obsess over these, these things, these things, and it's just, you know, if you probably know what they, they want and you have the answer, you're probably going to get it right. I mean, game life is all about probabilities. It's so interesting to me because like the whole premise of this podcast, when Brian and I were coming up with the idea was the idea of like spamming zero, right? Like you go and you call support and you're trying to like hit zero to get to a human and yet so many people that we talk to that want to go through that experience of trying to get to a human door. Nine times out of 10, the core reason why they're trying to get to a human is because they think that their answer to the question is going to be answered much quicker by the human than it would be automation. And that's a fundamental flaw that we, we believe in, right? And we think that we can solve for is because if you think about it, if you're getting on that phone and you're, you're going through the phone line and now all of a sudden you're waiting 45 minutes. This literally happened to me the other, just the other day, <laughs> true story. Uh-oh, story time. It's, it's right around Father's Day. I'm taking my family to an awesome lake called Lake Powell. Uh, super excited about it. But my son is getting ready to have surgery. He ju actually just had it a few days ago. And I have new insurance. So I call my insurance company up and I'm like, look, like I need some, some help figuring out, making sure that this, that this is all going to be kosher and it's going to work okay. I get on the phone and I, I just need a quick answer. Like just a quick one. Like, how do you verify it with the hospital? That was it. And they could have said yes or no. And I spent uh, my time on the phone for 45 minutes getting the first line of defense. The first line of defense then got on the phone with me and got my social security number. They got my date of birth. I mean, we're talking about very, very personal information. And it was not just a few. It was like six different things that they had to get from me. Just to then tell me, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to transfer you to another department. So they transfer me to another department who asks me for the same information. Arthur. And it's all about all the same really personal information. At this point, I've given away my credit card information, my social security number, my date of birth, all over the phone to six different departments that transfer me. I'm not kidding. It was a span of an hour and a half phone call. And all I needed was a yes answer. There's two types of customer service, right? You, you encountered one, which is the insurance company's intention is to not give you the answer. Like they are incentivized to not give you the answer. We looked at a AI company that was to actually navigate these insurance companies because they spend on app, they spend on average 45 minutes to get it, to get a simple answer. And the insurance companies don't want to give you that answer because when they give you the answer, then you cost them money. <laughs> um, now. Most customer service want to provide you the answer. They just can't. They don't have the people. Uh, they don't have the money. You know, it's too expensive. Uh, and it's, it's just painful. I've had like one good customer service experience in my entire life. It was with a credit card company. And it was funny because I was so frustrated because I'd been, I'd been transferred so many times. And, and I finally got this guy at the phone. I said, you know, I know, I know that you're not going to be able to answer my question. He's like, sir, sir. I'm going to bake your day. I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question and, and, and solve your problems. And the guy did, I was like, it's like, I, I told him, I said, this has never happened to me before. And that life. really made him a superhero. A, a funny yeah. little anecdote that I love. We were in the middle of due diligence together, like getting pretty serious, coming to a deal. And you right in that time, obviously customer service was on your mind, ended up calling somebody 
having a bad experience and then you tweeted about it on your personal Twitter page. And I remember seeing that and I was like, wow, that is, that is awfully timely. Well, for your audience, you know, that is the best life hack somebody taught me is that, you know, you wait. I, I think there, it was, it was a ridiculous thing. It was going to take hours and hours and hours to fix my internet. And they said, if you just tweet, there's one person that just like monitors the, the Twitter box and for whatever reasons, companies, companies think that, you know, when you tweet, the whole world sees it. It's like, no one actually sees your, your tweet and they overreact to it all the time, but it works. You know, there's like some person is responsible for that. They're all worried about, about, you know, the world's going to see it, it's going to destroy our brand and boom, you get, you get access. Sometimes it goes all the way to the CEO. It's bizarre. There's entire websites that are just built around like screenshotting people's tweets and social media feeds and publishing it for the, like, there's one, there's one Brian introduced me to called onhold.com. Is that the right one? Yeah. Onholdwith.com. Yeah. Freaking so I don't even, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, like, but here, here's what I will say, just to counter that a little bit, the ramification of a bad tweet can actually be very exponential if it does get in front of an audience, right? It could be. It could be, but probably won't be. <laughs> you yelling at a customer service rep or them saying something uh, insulting to you is it's private. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, Twitter could, yeah. but probably will. People the, overreact to it. The tough thing, like with some of this, right? We obviously get some some good laughs here on the podcast at some of the challenging customer experiences that people have with support. But really, it's like, look, it's been kind of an impossible puzzle, right? To run it at the scale that these businesses deal with in a fully manual fashion, where you're literally going to every single touch point is going to be manual. Like that just becomes so unwieldy. And that's right. And then you just see right issues start popping up in, in every dimension, right? Obviously there's the customer stories, which you hear about, there's the issues with agents, there's right. All that boils up into disappointing metrics for the company itself internally, but it's right. Like if you're getting hundreds, thousands of requests coming in every day, and the only way that you can deal with it is to build an army of people that are going to solve it. Like that is just, that, that is a really tough game. And as much as it's fun to poke fun, like it is tough. And I am really excited for obviously what we're doing, but what a lot of companies are doing to kind of take that step in really like meaningfully automating the channel and unlocking a lot of this and like letting every layer of that, right? Everybody that's touching it kind of get freed from it and get to a more powerful position. So it's, it, it's a little bit of a, a juggling. It, and look, the, the, the promise of the technology world is often, you know, has left a lot of shattered dreams. The tech industry tends to get ahead of itself and they make a lot of promises. Just take like chatbots, you know, chatbots are going to be, you know, I, we've looked at so many chatbots and they're just haven't seen a good one yet. I mean, they're just terrible. They just don't, they don't deliver on the promise. For us, one of the most exciting things is because we understand that's language processing so well, we know it's possible. Uh, and the reality is that most customer service questions are the same. You know, they're just, it's 90 Pareto principle, you know, 90%, 80% of the same. 
and they're pretty simple. And so be able to, to lop that off and to give, you know, quick instant response. You know, people would much rather talk to a machine that they oftentimes don't even know it's a machine, but, uh, and they get, you know, high, the same or higher, uh, CSTAT ratings than, you know, as, as the humans do. So people are, are skeptical they should be skeptical, but they're, they have to look at this technology. It's, it's very viable and they should, I mean, everyone who doesn't have uh, Alexa or used Google or you Siri, eh, I'm pretty lukewarm on, um, <laughs> but you know, they know that it's, it's possible. Shots fired, shots fired. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Apple was very dogmatic. There was a kind of a huge, huge fight in that, um, a huge fight within the company itself where AI was going to be everything, AI, 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 but they weren't willing to get the answers and they just kind of went down this path. AI is not the answer to everything. You know, like a lot of what Red Route does, it is, it is AI, but you know, there's, is it using deep learning? No, it's using, it's using, it's understanding what humans want and it's, it is responding to people, uh, in a language they understand. I'm just curious, cause now it has me like thinking down a completely different rabbit hole. Um, as Brian knows, that often happens with me. So I'm, I'm curious, what does the future of voice in your mind look like? I was always a big debate with it, Alexa. And I think people got around, look, there was, you go back like Ray Kurzweil, Kurzweil, uh, who came up with, I think Dragon, one of the first sort of voice, uh, voice to text systems. And, you know, there was always this feeling like voice was going to become the standard, uh, IO for computers. I was like, I don't think so. You know, it's just, it's not that efficient. It's loud. You know, when you talk, it's loud. It's just, it's like, it's not a very efficient. So you really get to look at what we would call voice forward applications where voice is better. You know, like when you're driving a car, you know, and you need directions, voice is just better. And you're obviously calling someone on the telephone, you know, voices, voices, voice, it's, it's, it's just better. So voice is not the answer to everything. But it's a, you know, I don't know, it's probably 10, 20% of the IO will be through voice. But, it, you know, some people would pitch us ideas about doing voice for calendar and scheduling. It's like, I could barely do that with a computer. It's so complicated and so many different, you couldn't do that with voice. It's just, it's a dead end. And you I, have to be, could you imagine sharing the responses, uh, complicated expense, it was just too painful. I agree with you a hundred percent. Right. It's obviously still early innings for voice. I always say voice today is like the web in whatever, late 90s, early 2000s. But it's about, it's about understanding what are the things that voice is uniquely good at, right? You want right, to understand what makes voice uniquely good as an interface, as opposed to the other red channels, ways of interacting, and then say, okay, where is that unique benefit appreciated and start to match up the affordance of the technology with the problems in the world. And there you'll find the good ones and everything else will, will live on and in, in other mechanisms. I can't, you know, there's always one of these things where I agree with you, the, why everyone's not using voice for customer, customer service agents, uh, as first line of defense, uh, is, is it will come, it takes a long time to sort of change an industry and then it changes far far faster and far bigger than anyone ever anticipated. The same thing happened with the web. We knew what would be, and that was going to be big. No idea it was going to be that big. 
All right. So last couple of questions. Kevin, you and I, when we were talking about what to talk about, I asked you a question that I, I found your response very interesting. I asked you what you think a common experience that needs work right now. And one of the things that you had mentioned is the hiring process within companies, especially with what's happening in the economy and things that are happening right now. I'd love for you to expand on that from a VC's perspective and from your own personal point of view. Um, you know, anyone who's listening to this, they can maybe take some advice from, from somebody like you on how to make their hiring process more efficient. We're going through a weird, a very weird, uh, employment time. You, we always keep hearing there's 10 million open job positions, no one filling it. That's, that's a very odd, uh, situation. I actually think those 10 million jobs has contracted quite a bit. I think people are now, you know, whether we're, we're in a recession, uh, there's a high degree of probability we're going to hit a recession. So I think people are starting to say, okay, wait a second, we're going to freeze hiring and those sitting on the sideline better get off the better, they better get off the sideline because, because this, the music's going to stop here. You don't want to be the, the person without the chair. And so that's going to happen. People are going to freeze, freeze. And then people are going to start probably getting rid of low performers. I think what's probably good for, for our company is that and really for a lot of technology companies, I wrote about this is that SaaS companies and, and technology companies are provide efficiencies and, and time through recessions. We, they tend to do pretty well because, because people are looking, how do I make our organization more efficient? Or if you unfortunately had to go through, so let's say a layoff of 20% of people, how do we use technology to replace those people? And customer service agents are, are just, it's a difficult job to fulfill and you can try to offshore it, um, you know, quality may go down. Uh, but you also have, you know, especially with customer service, you, you have huge peak to valley, uh, ratios that flat It's not like people are calling hundred calls a, an hour. It's probably two and a half times from sort of peak to trough, you know, and so trying to staff for, for things like that is really, really difficult. So I think people have got to really look internally and I, I we recommend all our companies is, is like, look, do what you need, not what you want and to focus on efficiencies right now. This is a good time to step back, take a look. What are we doing? What are we doing that's super inefficient? How do we automate it? How do we get rid of it? This is going to be great material for a campaign we're running right now. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about too. <laughs> Another answer for you in terms of customer service agents in recession. So what are the challenges? What are the challenges with customer service agents that, you know, it, it's an expense, it's a cost of goods for companies and companies, you know, that drops right down to the bottom line. And it's not seen, people always look at a recession, how do I increase my revenues or how do I de decrease my expenses? And I think it's probably an area that, that gets disproportionately hit unfairly, uh, because it really does brand damage. It does long-term brand damage. So, you know, look, people are gonna have to come back. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to maintain the same level of service through, through technology. What's one thing in the world right now that you think needs to change? Like for me, and I talk about this all the time in like any of my posts is I think one of the most simple and fundamental things that we can all do more of is be more kind to each other. And that is something we all have control and we all can make an impact with. So if you had to pick one thing in this whole wide world, and let's say you had unlimited funding or unlimited resources, what is that one thing? So my, my thing doesn't cost any money. In fact, it, it makes money. Uh, I mean, I am an, 
unapologetic uh, free market person. I think corporations, technology have been uh, have been maligned unjustly and fairly. I mean, look, there's there are bad people in the world, and they're always going to exist. You're gonna you're gonna regulate those out of existence or put them in prison. But generally, to your point, I think I think people are good. I think the people voluntarily uh, buying goods and services for people on, on their own terms. I mean, that is a really positive thing. So I think, I think for whatever reason, and maybe it gets up to what you're saying, people are very distrustful. They're distrustful of, of everybody these days. I mean, no one trusts government, no one trusts the media, no one trusts corporations, no one, no one trusts their neighbor. I mean, it's, it is, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing. So I, the free market's too hard for people. It seems like a cruel system, but it's it's free. It's like I don't people are voluntarily doing things that they want to do, and I'm a I'm a big believer in that. And I think technology gets maligned. You know, there's always this fear it's going to take over jobs, and it never does. Technology always it makes like there's only one way to grow an economy, and that is through productivity, increasing productivity. There's no other way. You know, you can borrow and, and, and spend and, you know, get the growth early on, but you pay for it later on, you get cycles. So technology gives you that pro productivity. And that means people can shift, customer service agents can shift into uh, higher level roles, roles that, that maybe rather than answering the same question over and over again, they can move to, to more difficult questions and provide a higher level of service. So I'm a big proponent of, of tech. What a good answer. I couldn't possibly end on a more wise note than that. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Spanning Zero. If you're listening today, we have an episode for you each and every week. Brian and I are your hosts. We promise to bring edgy, fun, and sometimes we're going to make you laugh and cry on that podcast. We haven't yet been able to make anybody cry, but it's probably going to happen. So listen to the podcast each and every week. We'd be happy to take your inquiries and anything like that. So thank you for joining us today.